Chicago, where the fire served cold, but the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow. The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south, the Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house. True Chicago sports fans got their ears to the street. Any team make a move, and they never skip a beat. And in this house, this is where we be. Welcome to the show with E Rock and Big Z. Welcome to Chicago, coming to you from the True Chicago Sports Fan Cave. This is the TCSF Podcast with your host, E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. We are brought to you by, in part by Anchor, Noir Caesar, and Villain Radio Studios. Episode 11, wow, E, we made it past 10 episodes. Who would have thought we'd be here, man? Uh, I did. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, for real, like, we want to give a shout out to everyone who's been there supporting us, our producer, our sponsors, the whole TCSF family, Serge, Mike, Chris, George, and of course, Z, man, I got to give you a shout out for your help getting this thing off the ground. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it's been my pleasure. This has been so much fun, and every week, it's getting better, bigger, and dude, the amount of laughs I'm having, I haven't had this much fun in (laughs) such a long time. Um, you know, we, we shoot the you-know-what all day, and uh, when it comes to Sundays, we get down, brother. You know, and, and I was telling you this personally, like when we, we were talking about this earlier today, mm-hmm. we knew each other back in the day, but right. we didn't hang out that much. No, so. no, we, we hang out in different circles, but we knew each other, and of we, each other, and all that stuff. Right, right. And, and the thing was, it was like, I was nervous, because I know that, you know, I can be a little bit of a crawl on people's sides. You know, you could ask, just ask our producer about that, <laughs> you know, but I was worried. I was like, man, are we really going to be able to get along? No, man. I mean, we're we're both cut from almost the same kind of cloth. Oh yeah. Uh, we grew up in the same neighborhood, pretty much. I mean, yeah. we grew up like about a mile away, if yeah. anything. If that. I mean, you went to grammar school at Saban. I went to Jose Diego. Right, yeah. And then we ended which up, is a block away from oh, each other. Yeah, yeah. So and then we ended up at Lane Tech, and uh, look look where we're at now, man. So yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's been very cohesive. We we found our chemistry. So I hope y'all out there listening are enjoying what I'm doing and. You know, to everyone who's showing us love and support, you know, we love y'all too. You know, this is episode 11, but next episode will be our 10th as a team. So we'll have to have a shot of tequila to celebrate, bro. Yes, sir. Some Terramana. Yeah. That's what we're drinking. We're drinking some Terramana tequila. So we're, we're going to tag the rock. See if he uh, says anything. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. All right. E, week two of the bear season is in the books. Um, Should we... Look at adding Foles to the mix. Uh, what's your initial reaction to this Bears team so far? Uh, man, look, today, two uh, tutties, two giveaways by uh, Trubisky under 100 yards. Now, some of that was by the receivers not catching the ball when they should have. There was definitely a drop pass in the end zone by mm-hmm. um, by Miller. That right. should have been a touchdown. It wasn't Miller time. <laughs> I, I just, I just literally just told you I don't even like Miller. So I, know. I don't like Miller beer, so that's that's probably what happened. But I, they they could have. It is definitely possible with a more polished quarterback, if you want to call Foles that, a more polished quarterback that they could have scored some more points there. Yeah, we know that the Foles is the veteran quarterback, the more polished quarterback. I think just in progression wise is when you hike the ball, and he knows what the play is. He's like, okay, one, two, three, no. Okay, yeah. throw it away or dump it off so, to somewhere that, that's going to give us some, try to get us some positive yards. And with Mitch, it's like one, two, um, oh, crap. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll give him a lot of credit for being able to kind of figure it out today. 
you know, he he did have some decent passes. He had some good moves where he got out of the pocket, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that pass, uh, I think it was to uh, to the rook in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. That was fire. Yeah. Mooney and Mooney caught it, and when they tried to tackle him, he looked like he was like, "Yeah, you ain't, you ain't got nothing on me. No, you ain't got nothing on me." So he caught it like a man. Yeah, like a, a man. full grown a man. man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like. Look, you're gonna have your goods in the bad. You're gonna have good and bad, but don't forget, no preseason. A lot of uh, moving parts in this offense. Jerry right. Graham's new, Mooney's new. So, you know, let, let let's let's see how it goes, man. Komet's new. You yeah, know. I mean, they did. I think that they played a, a more of a complete game this game. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, what I'm looking at is, uh, Mitch is still not accurate. Mitch is uh, uh, he, either... he won't he won't ever be accurate the way we run into because even that and, and I I said it while we were watching the game what did I say it looks like you know you got that wobbler yeah he throws a lot of ducks he throws a lot of ducks that wobble you know to the receivers quack quack there we go and um, I I think he's not making his full progressions he goes one two and then panics yeah uh, I think he holds on to the ball way too long well he had six he had I think it was like six point one eight seconds to get that ball to uh, to Moody on that one play right I mean if you can't score. With, with six, six, seven, ooh, ooh, whoa. Hey, now. Oh, hey, now. Six or seven seconds. I mean, I mean, you're getting Tom Brady time at that point. Yeah. You've got to make great plays with, with that amount of time. I think the, the running game has been magnificent. Yeah, it has definitely been much improved. I mean, night and day from last season. And he's also, uh, Nagy, is mixing it up with different running backs. Well, you had Montgomery that got 16 touches. You got Patterson that got seven touches. You got Trubisky took his four scrambles, and Cohen got five touches. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about Montgomery with 82, uh, Patterson with 25, mm-hmm. and Tariq Cohen with 12 yards. So, I mean, like, your average for your starter is 5.1 yards. That's great. That's pretty damn good. That's great. And I just think the, the scheme, and I, and I know it's the Giants. I know it's the Giants. They're not, right. they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel as far as, you know, NFL uh Defensive and offensive, they're just at the bottom of the barrel. But um, mixing in three different running backs who have all three different styles, yeah, um, I think it was great to give Mitch time because it mixed it up. Now teams right. are not just going to sit back and be like, "All right, Mitch, see what see what you can do," because you can't make past you know your first and second read, so you're not going to do anything to us. Well, not to mention on top of that, Montgomery did have three catches for 45 yards. Right. So now, you know. yeah, and that's great. You you should be if you have nothing, dump it off to the running back. He's the one right. that's going to make all the plays for you. If he goes up the middle, you, you throw him a pitch, or you throw him a, a you know a counter, whatever it is. He's gonna go and do his thing, and that's what we're paying him to do. We want that running game. Well, even even when you look at it, let's let's pull it back even further. You got Cohen had a uh, Tree Cohen had a catch, Patterson had two catches, and Ryan Null. No, he even got a catch, and it was I mean it was a it was a two yard catch, but still it was a catch. So he he that was did a horrible horrible catch. But the point is that Trubisky is spreading the ball. He is, you know, and he's not just laser focusing on one guy. Yeah, but what did A Rob do today? Uh, not great. Um, he had three catches for 33 yards. Okay. He's your number one, right? Technically. Okay. Yes. Well, he's, he's your number one. So if, if, you know, let's say you're talking about, uh, who's the number one in, in, with the Cardinals? Oh, the big boy. Big boy, right? You know what I mean? The, the guy who should never be in the Cardinals in the first place? Yeah, that guy. So if he got three touches or three catches, you think he'd be happy? No, but but again, you're looking at a team game. So what you want, he, you got to look at different teams. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. Sure. You look at um, 
your boy uh, Tom Brady's entire tenure in Tam in uh, in New England. Mm -hmm. You did aside from Moss, you never really had a star receiver. No, and he was spreading the ball all the time. You had Gronkowski. Okay, he's going to get his touches. You had Edelman. Edelman, you, right? You know what I mean, you, you had every white receiver that ever exists in the last twenty years was on the Patriots at mm -hmm. some point. But the key to a good quarterback is not to be laser focused on one guy. Correct. Keep the defense guessing. So when you're looking at, I, I'm going to give you a quick list of whoever got a reception today. Montgomery, Mooney, Robinson, Graham, Javon Wims, Tariq Cohen, Cole Komet, Patterson, Massey because he was tipped, and Ryan Nall. All those players got a uh, uh, catch today. Okay. And how many yards did he have? How many what? How many yards did Trubisky have? Under he, 200, right? He had 190. 190. Ooh. 190. 18 for 28 and 190. So did he have a better game last time or this time if you're looking at stats? Uh, it, look, the only stat that I care about is a W. Is a W. Yeah, I Now, agree. you look at the first half when you're scoring 17 points and the second half where you score zero, you get shut out, and you give up 13 points. This is a very mediocre low-scoring game. Yes. But they managed to find a way to win it at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. You, like I said, no preseason. You had basically 10 days worth of training camp. You did not have a, a regular training camp. You didn't have a regular off-season program. You barely got to, I mean, half of your training camp was Zoom calls. So I I can't complain about 2-0. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, we got an action-packed episode today. This is yeah. a pretty big one for us. Um, how about you tell us about who we got on the show today? So we have an exclusive interview with a, a great MMA fighter and one of Chicago's very own. This is Jose Shorty Torres. Uh, we talked to Shorty about his life in and out of the ring and discuss his fight tonight against Sean Santana, Santella in the Brave Flyweight Tournament. He also tell us, tells us about his charitable contributions to the youth. And as always, we'll be joined by our featured Bears analyst, Il Brown, later on to recap the Bears and Giants and preview next week's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, we are action-packed. I mean, uh, Jose Shorty Torres is uh, an acquaintance of mine. Shorty. Oh, yeah, that's right. We met a couple times uh, here and there, and then uh, we frequent uh, it's the same bar. Actually, the bar I actually go to is uh, Output Lounge on uh, Grand and Wood. And New sponsor? Uh, not yet. Not yet, but I'm going to talk <laughs> to this dude. Uh, somebody I know. He might be the owner. Um, but, you know, Output is actually a sponsor for his camp. And um, Okay. So it, it, it's when he has an interaction or, you know, a meet and greet and stuff, it's always there. And uh, he's always willing to talk to everybody, and he's very, very... A hospital dude so um i was able to reach out to him uh he was very gracious to uh to, to grant us the interview and uh you guys will listen to it a little bit later uh but first it's time for baseball this is three up and three down i think i'll perplex him with my slow ball one two three strikes you're out all right and three up and three down we give you three good things and three bad things about our favorite baseball team z Give us some good White Sox news. Tell me some good about the good guys. All right, the good guys in black. So, uh, so this past week, the White Sox clinched a playoff berth. First time since about 2008. I'd call that a great. That's a great. That's a great. It really is a great. Um, they had a great comeback win against the, the Twins. And one of the Twins, that, you know, they've been on our butts uh, trying to get this division. But yeah. we, we've been fighting them off. And the thing is that. The White Sox have been criticized for uh, doing well against these teams that are under 500 and not so well against the ones that are over 500. 
That I'll tell you what, that absolutely drives me nuts when you have people that will complain about who you're winning against. You can only play who is on your schedule. Right. And and here's the thing, you're going to get even more criticized if you're not winning against the teams you should be winning against. Right. If you stoop down to the level competition, so if you're playing the bottom feeders and you go, okay, well, you know, they're nobody, and then they whoop you. Right. Then you, you can't. I'm just going to move forward. I'm just going to get upset with that. <laughs> All right. Number one. I uh, got to start with uh, my two MVP candidates again uh, for the AL. Uh, my team, Jose Pito. Pito. That's right, Jose Pito Abreu, and his uh, top ten batting average. Uh, he's up there with. Uh, actually, this is actually outdated at this point. He's got about more home runs and more uh, and a higher average at this point. But let's move forward. Um, so he's leading the league in hitting as far as average, almost, and uh, and he's up there with uh, Trout with home runs. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's getting you the important hits. So if the guy's on second, you know what he does? He shorns up mm-hmm. and shoots it over to right. And he gets on base and puts that run in, in, into scoring position or actually making them score. Same thing with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is doing the same thing. He's back on board. He had a day off this week. I don't know why they gave him a day off. Maybe Renteria wanted to clear his head. 60 games in 66 days is why you give your guys days off. That's, That's just right. what it is. And, yeah, Everyone it, needs a break, bro. It, it was surprising because it's surprising because I'm pretty sure Anderson fought it. I'm I'm almost guaranteed Anderson did not want to get out of the line. Everyone needs to sleep sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? You got two guys who are fighting for the AL MVP. Uh, I know Trout has a lot of votes for it mm-hmm. uh, just because he's a big name. But his numbers are similar to them. But when it comes to MVP talk, yeah, you got to talk about who is the most valuable player to the team. Well, you, you know what's funny is that when I was talking to Mike Logic from the All That Podcast, we yeah. were kind of going back and forth because uh, Gianna's got the MVP again mm-hmm. this year, yeah, he and he was back. he was saying that LeBron should got it, and I'm like. MVP means who's the most valuable player to that particular team. It doesn't Correct. mean who's the best player in the league. So when you look at the difference between Trout and you look at Senor Pito, That's who's, right. who's the most important to their team? I would say it's it's Mr. It, Abreu there. Yeah, it is going to be Abreu because if you take Abreu out, there's a lot of stuff that's going to— that, it, It's a big hole. It's a big hole. Uh, whereas if you take Trout out, I mean, that team still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. The Angels suck. So with or without Trout, they Don't still suck. suck. Which is a shame. Which yeah. is a damn shame. Look at who's on it, that roster. You're right. It's wasting that talent and that's going on over there. And I don't know if it's a coaching issue or guys are not coming together or they have injuries. I don't. I don't follow the Angels that well. Yeah. So I, I don't know what to say about them. All right. What's uh, your second point? Back to back to back homers. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. The, again, right? Yes, Didn't again. they do that before? Yeah, we've done that before. Man. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it was uh, my boy Marza who, um, who? Uh, the big chill. Remember that guy? Who? The big chill. I think he, uh, I don't know, did some film study. Because every time I roast some of my White Sox players, they kind of do better. Or when I roast the manager, he starts listening to the podcast. I don't know Who's what it is. Who's listening? That's right. So Marza hit a home run, and then it was uh, Anderson, and I think uh, Breu hit a home run. So it was like back to back to back. Yeah. Um, and Anderson actually had two home runs last night uh, in, on Saturday. So, um that's my great. That's always exciting, but it's a problem when you live by the long ball. Yeah, and I'll get to bat, that. Yeah, and I'll get know. to that. All right. Now, point number three, the rook. The rook came up. 
<laughs> Garrett, uh, is it crochet or crotchet? Uh, so it's either going to be someone looking at your, you know, <laughs> underwear or someone that's knitting you a nice blanket. Hey, he can get a sponsorship for, you know, some underwear, some Hanes or, or what other underwear? Or, or like a, Under Armour. A, a really fast Kawasaki for your crotch rocket. There you go. There yeah, you go. yeah. So, I mean, his nickname might be the crotch rocket. This kid <laughs> uh, pitched uh, two innings. Two strikeouts. He was throwing over 100. 101 a lot of times. Up and in. Lefty. It's didn't, filthy. Didn't he li literally just get drafted like a few months ago? Yes, he did. Okay, so what? who who are we compare that, who are we comparing that to right now? Well, Sale did the same thing. He where did? he got drafted and then came up to the MLB. And there's a, there's in the a, same season. In the same season. And actually, uh, the pitcher we faced that day uh, on Saturday was uh, Trevor Bauer, who mm. actually went through the same thing. There you go. So you got some big names that you know did the same thing. Whether... You know, the crotch rocket is going to be a starter or a middle reliever or a closer. We don't know yet. We don't We're seeing right now he's going to be in a bullpen. He's going to help out the White Sox. And um, it'll 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 develop how far they stretch him out. I don't know yet. I right. mean, because that's a, I mean, to throw 101 miles an hour, you can't do that as a starter. No. And, and be able to have a long career. No, that that's what happened with the Rose Chapman. Right. When he came up with the Reds, he was throwing fire, and he still throws fire, but you can't do that for, you know, six, seven, eight innings at a no, time. No, no, you're doing that one, two innings max. Right. All right, let's move over to the bad. So you brought that up. Yeah, I The did. White Sox were, you know, after the back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, and you cannot live on the home run, all right? You've got to manufacture runs, and besides uh, what I'm seeing with Tim Anderson and Abreu, and uh, uh, Madrigal, who are swinging the bat and, you know, finding the holes and getting base hits. They're always on base. They're always on base. But you got players like Encarnacion and Marza that are, mm. you know, just watching the ball go past the plate and strike it out. You're talking about veteran guys. Right. And These are who, veteran guys. Who were both signs, signed as free agents this year. Correct. And you got uh, Encarnacion hitting, like, under 200. You think he was hitting, like, 162 or something. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. At this point, I don't know what to do with the dude. Um, maybe gives him a couple of days off so you can watch him film. Give some one of the other kids a chance to to DH or you know you you put in one of the catchers to DH, move a Bray or give him a day off from first base. But Encarnacion, I mean, I, maybe Ricky Renteria is like let me let him swing out of it. See, and and y'all know that I'm a Cubs fan, but yeah. even when I see that, I just think ew, it's yucky, it's ewy. I don't want to see that anymore. Well, it, what it does, <laughs> it, it reminds me when Hayward was off. Yeah. And he had to go back and, you know, take the offseason and readjust his entire approach to the, which to the is, bat. Which is something that veterans shouldn't have to do. And, right. And, and guys that have had success in other... When Hayward come over, he was already struggling at the plate. And that, to me, mm -hmm. was stemmed from when he got his face mashed and when he was still in Atlanta. Yes, yes. You know, I think that's... And it finally, it took him a few years because... And now if you look around the league, a lot of players have that, that extra chin strap that goes around their helmet, their batting helmet. Yes, yeah, they got but, the double side now. But these, I, as far as I can recall, these guys never got their face matched in with a baseball. I mean, there's a couple of players that we know. Uh, I mean, Conerco, uh, you know, got hit in the face, broke his nose or whatever it was. But, and, but I'm talking about Encarnacion and Marzo. Yeah, don't. I, right. You know what I mean? There's realistically, like, why are you not living up to the reason why you were signed in the first place? Again, we've talked about this before. Why are you not living up to the back of your baseball card? Correct. All right, let's move on. Let's move on because that's depressing. What's number three? Number th number three is losing two out of three to the Reds. The White Sox lost on Friday, and they lost on Saturday. Uh, today was embarrassing. I mean, they had a great win. It was a home run derby on Saturday, you know, with the back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, and then uh, uh, Anderson hitting two home runs that day, you know, talking about the spaghetti. You know, he's hungry. Mm. But 
when you're losing two out of three to the Reds, who are 27 and 27 right, now. But, okay, but it, it, you you call it a bad because you think the, the Sox are like this magical team. But guess what? The Reds are in the playoffs. They are? They are in the playoffs. They are Get a wild card team. They are, wild, they are a wild card team. At the, 500? Yes, 100%. Because you don't forget, your first place team makes the playoffs, your second place team makes the playoffs, right. and you have a, a wild card team. They, you, you, this is not a garbage team. The Reds have a lot of good players on the team. I mean, I know they have power. I know that there, there's a lot of uh, They have of good power. pitching. They have good play. They have Sonny Gray on the team. So you, why are they 27 and 27? Be, because why? I mean, you're talking about I mean, a 60-game season. Right, but the division you're, isn't that strong in the NL Central. Uh, besides Cubs, the Cubs. Cubs, Cardinals. Cardinals. Bre- Brewers still have gr- some good players on there. And and the Reds. And that's the ones we, we expected to contend. Wow. The Reds are not a garbage team. Wow. So I, I mean, like, even even though you're you're looking at it that way, it's not like they're over here losing to like the Baltimore Orioles or something like that. The Reds <laughs> are still a good team. Hey, they, aren't the Orioles in it? I don't even know. The Orioles are not in anything. <laughs> I mean, they're in the league. I mean, technically yes, but I mean, like, you know, that bird is about to fly away. That, bird, like, that bird should fly away. That, that bird's gonna fly right off their hat. Like, I don't want to be associated with this. All right. So so just just a, a quick look up here. The Cubs are thirty one and twenty one. Mm-hmm. Cardinals are twenty six and twenty four. 26 and 26 Brewers and 27 27 Reds. There you go. This NL Central is a tight race. So that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to tell you, man. I know that you're paying attention to the AL Central, yeah, but the NL yeah. Central is tight. I, I had no idea that it was that tight. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Did I finish my stuff? Yeah, I did. I mean, <laughs> I just looked at him like every yeah, day. I mean, I, that just bothered me losing attitude. And I guess I got spoiled from, you know, the White Sox taking every series and, and doing right. very well. What I am concerned about is the four games against the Indians coming up. And the reason for that is that they might have to play that team in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the Cubs-Sox series at the end of the season is going to be great. There you go. And that's going to be electric for both sides of the city. Will it matter for either one of the teams? I don't know. It's going to matter in the sense that it's going to matter for the city. It'll matter for the and fans. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who plays. It's going to be bragging rights. No, I understand that, we're, but we're going to be on matter to the teams as far as if you clinch it, it could and I clinch. It, it could for seeding. Yeah, it definitely could for seeding. Yeah. yeah, you know we're not we're not over here in the uh, NL West where the Dodgers have run away with it. Right. It could def look look. You just gave me four teams uh, records in the NL Central. Mm-hmm. I did, and they're super close. So that could make a big difference. Yeah, you can drop from first to third. Well, it, not the Cubs. I think they're good. They're 10 games over. Right. And there's only seven games left. So I think they're good. But you're straddling that line. You know what I mean? Well, the Cardinals can still catch you guys. Right. Because, you know, they're getting they're about five games behind. But, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting last week of the uh, of the uh, season for both NL, uh, NL and AL Centrals. But right. How about you uh, let me know what's going on on the north side? I mean, we talked about it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's when you have two teams in the same city, we're going to, you know, cross a little bit, you know. But number one, I'll say, you know, the Cubs have been cruising. They're seven and three in the last 10. Uh, pitching has been solid all around, and except for an implosion last night on Saturday night in the seventh inning, uh, they were well, they very well could have been nine and one in the last 10. Um, they it kind of imploded in the Twins game and mm-hmm. then allowed the Twins to clinch. So I, I feel like some White Sox fans were definitely rooting for the Cubs last I night. I was rooting for you guys. I don't like the Twins. Wow. Yeah. Newsflash. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Hey, I, I hope. Are you recording this? Because I want to bring that back later. Oh, boy. I was rooting for the Cubs, and I'm a Sox fan. I was rooting 
that Minnesota lost. And oh. So you guys were playing them, so I was rooting for the Cubs to beat Minnesota. <laughs> it's on tape. You weren't rooting for us. You were rooting uh, against the other team. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Don't, no, 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 don't give us love yeah. now. I don't want to hear it now. <laughs> All, All right, right, number two, number two. Number two, Darvish still looking sharp. I mean, he's currently tied for the NL league uh, lead with seven wins and second in the NL with a 1.86 ERA. No, Darvish is dealing. I mean, this dude is awesome. I think it's going to be come down to him and uh, Trevor Bauer for the yes. Cy Young Award and the White Sox thrash, uh, tra- thrashed uh, Brower with, with the home runs. I mean, stats are supposed to play a part of it just like any other you know, uh, award that you give out, but I, I really, really hope that they take into consideration that after everything that happened, like I mentioned before with the Astros, definitely that, you know, it, he was right. He yeah. says, Hey, they were cheating. He went through all this mess where they said, they call him you, dar- uh, you garbage, you garbage, yeah. you garbage, you garbage. Okay. You look at now we look back Darvish or Arietta. They absolutely made the right of choice, course. and I've said it before. Right. So, I mean, I think he's absolutely been vindicated, and I hope they take that into consideration when they go into the voting. Well, we'll, we'll see what they do. Uh, Darvish probably has one or two more starts left uh, for the season, so um, let's let's see if he uh, picks it up and uh, finishes strong. I, yeah, I mean, if he does have another start, it's going to be pretty close. So, let me tell you, number three, sp- uh, speaking of pitching, mm-hmm. the Cubs do have three starters that are top five in wins in the uh, National League. And as I said, Darvish is sitting there with seven wins. But you also have both Hendricks and Alec Mills who have five wins. You know, what What a great story this year with Mills. You know, he was that fifth starter. People were like, why? Who? What, what, is, what is up with this guy? Right. You know, and, and we sat there today mm-hmm. arguing with, with the Cubs fans and a couple Sox fans earlier. Right. But like, well, you know, Mills has been dealing. You know, y'all didn't know about Mills. You're sleeping on him. I'm like, look. Five wins is five wins. Hendricks has five wins. He has five wins. Darvish has seven. The starting pitching has been pretty damn solid. You know, um, also Hendricks has a league-leading 73.2 innings pitch, so he's been a huge help with keeping the bullpen fresh. You know, that's, that's a big deal. Hendricks has been your workhorse for, since he's been here. He's been a workhorse, but in the beginning he looked like our ace, and then you looked at what Darvish is doing, and then that switched pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, as a whole, the Cubs, as a team, are currently tied in the, for first in the NL with 15 saves and third in ERA with 3.9. They've turned it around. The, absolutely. You I know, mean, in people, a couple episodes, we were talking about like how the bullpen's been garbage, and look what they're doing now. Yeah. So I, now that we're talking about the pen, I'm going to slide over to our bad side because oh boy. this is a big hurt. Oh, boy. And I'm not talking about Frank Thomas. Oh, so Rowan Wick was put on the, the IL with an oblique injury, and he could be done for the year. Uh, the move is retroactive to September 17th, and the corresponding move, they brought up the lefty Andrew Chafin, who they acquired the trade deadline from the Diamondbacks, and he just came off the IL himself because of a sprained index finger. You know, losing Wick is huge because along with Kimbrough and Jeffress, he's been a very, very valuable piece for them at the end of the games. Yeah, again, like you were, you just pointed out with the stats, that the back end of the Bulls, uh, the Cubs bullpen has been uh, doing a lot better and if you lose one of those pieces, it might throw the rolls off to some of these guys that have to come in. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to hurt, especially if he's not able to come back. It could definitely hurt. Um, my number two bad, John Lester, who signed a six-year contract with the Chicago Cubs and basically was a very integral part of them winning that World Series. He was an anchor for them. 
you know, it's very possible that his last home game at Wrigley was played in front of an empty stadium. Uh, it's a damn shame that Lester isn't going to get his proper send-off from the fans if indeed this was his last game as a member of the Chicago Cubs at home. Um, like I said, he was an integral part of the getting the Cubs to the top of the mountain in 2016, and we absolutely love this guy. Um, he's called Chicago his home, and he loves it here. As and, you know, he lives here as well. So I really hope that you know this isn't the last of Lester being involved with the Cubs, whether it's in a pitching role or a coaching role, because we would embrace him and love him no, no matter what. I mean. You never know. I mean, Rossi can be like, you know what, let's bring him on as a special advisor or even, you know, a bullpen coach. I don't know if he's done pitching, though. No, I'm not saying he's done pitching, but I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of what the Cubs have done is brought in back their good players and said, all right, help us out with this. Help us out with that. The, the tricky thing is, too, is that you have Theo Epstein, who has a very personal relationship with Lester, number one, but Theo may be gone. Number two, Rosty was Lester's personal catcher when they came here in 2016. Right. So he's going to be, you know, he's going to be he's boosting fight for his guy. guy yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the tricky thing when it comes to that, you know? Yeah. What's your number three? So number three, lastly, we have some sad news to report. Baseball lost a legend on Saturday. Uh, longtime scout and front office advisor Gary Hughes. Uh, he passed away at the age of 79 after a, a very short, actually, a battle with cancer. Uh, Mr. Hughes came to the Cubs in 2002 and spent 10 years as a special assistant and senior executive for the Cubs under general manager Jim Hendry. Um, Hughes was also a part of five World Series champions uh, during a career that also included scouting for the Giants, Mets, Mariners, and Yankees and assistant GM jobs with the Rockies and the Reds. Rest in peace, Mr. Hughes. Rest in peace, sir. All right, two Chicago sports fans, let's take a pause for the cause. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Bears versus the Giants. This is a TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Welcome back to the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. All right, everyone, it's time for some football. This is three and out. Bears segment with Il Brown is sponsored by Noir Caesar and Villain Radio Studios. All right, let's get to it. First down. You know what? I'm going to look at the overall picture, uh, how Mitch played. I thought he had more flow. I thought that they put him in better situations. The game plan was a little bit better. They put him in shotgun, shotgun situations. Yes. The run-pass ratio was a lot better. Yes. Uh, they spread the ball around. Uh, so as far as Mitch's play, I'm going to give him a B plus, even though he had some interceptions. He did have two interceptions. We're looking at 18 for 28, only 190 yards, but he did have two touchdowns and two interceptions. Again, he, he spread the ball along. I just don't think he got it to his major players, though. I think that, that that's what hurt the team today. Technically, he had 10 different receivers that, that caught a ball, one of them being Bobby Massey, which was a kind of a fluke, and he kind of saved the play. Mm -hmm. But you did have uh, him – Spreading, spreading the ball around. You had David Montgomery. You had Darnell Mooney, A-Rob, Jimmy Graham, Javon Wims, Cohen, Komet, Patterson, and Ryan Nall who had to come in. Right, but to that point, you got two big tight ends that, you know, one, you signed for a lot of money, and then two, you, you drafted them as your first draft pick that you had on, on the board, and they got two catches for 30 yards. Yeah, I mean it. I mean, if they were blocking most of the game, which is great, but you're using these two guys either to – 
spread the defense out or as your safety valves and we know we all know Mitch needs that safety valve. Absolutely. Well, I think what you saw realistically is you saw him spreading the ball to whoever is open. I give him a lot of props because instead of just laser focusing on one guy, which is usually A Rob, correct? He's looking around to see who's open to be able to receive the ball. So is A Rob going to have an issue only having what three catches today? I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't exactly look at how many targets he had, but at least someone was throwing in the ball. You know what I mean? Like, at least he was he, – because, I mean, you saw early on in the game that he was getting targets, but as the game went along, I felt like he was getting less and less and less targets. And yeah, maybe I they agree. were just trying to close in on him or whatever it was, but he was de- he was definitely getting targets in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. You know? All right, what's our second down? The Bears defense. What you think, E? Um, I, I think overall we were looking good, especially in the beginning. Um, you saw them. I, my biggest fear going into this game was that they were going to get gashed the same way that they did in the first game with Adrian Peterson running it on the throats. Right. Now, granted, I feel like ever since Peterson came into the league with the Vikings, they did run it right up the middle, and the Bears had no answer for him. Yeah, it's, it's the same story, same guy. Against the Bears defense, it doesn't matter what defense is out there. Peterson's always been a beast against us. And if I recall correctly, I mean, the Bears have played the Giants, I want to say, at least maybe four times in the last five years. And last year with Saquon's uh, rookie year, he did put some numbers up on the Bears. He he put some big numbers up on us. But here's the thing. We saw early on that Saquon had that hyperextension of the elbow. Yes. And then eventually he went out with a knee injury. Yeah, it looks like a torn ACL. It looks really bad. I I, I feel bad for the kid. Yeah. I, I'm not a Giants fan, but I'm a fan of Saquon. I'm a fan of any running back this day and age who is a beast and can do some things because you just don't see that anymore. Right. No matter what, we're not going to uh, wish any uh, ill versus you know somebody to uh, you know lose the season and probably lose their career. That's right. something that we're not wishing for. We still want that guy out there. We want to compete against the best. And unfortunately, he uh, looks like he hyperextended his elbow, still played, yeah. and then you know he looks like he might have torn his ACL. As far as the defense, you know who did show up today? Rokon, Cleo Mack. So Rokon had seven tackles. Mm-hmm. Now, when Rokon and Eddie Jackson are tied for seven tackles apiece. But when you go down the line, I got Eddie Jackson at seven, Buster Screen at, at five, Kyle Fuller at five, right. Jalen Johnson at three. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they had to make tackles in the second line, and they didn't. They weren't stopping it where, where they needed to, right. and they weren't getting to Daniel Jones the but way that they needed might, to. That might have been, you know, they were playing a little bit more zone. That's that's entire. I mean, we we had one sack the entire game, and that was Robert Quinn, who's I'm glad to see him show up and actually be able to play. Right. I mean, he he was a game changer at that point. You know, he he made the uh, uh, pretty much the pressure on the quarterback and forced the uh, the, the fumble. Right. And Khalil Mack was in the right place at the right time to recover. Correct. Correct. So you had one sack, and you had you did have one interception, and that was Deion Bush. Right. Who I I forgot he was on the, on the team. Yeah, I didn't know who it was. I thought it I thought it might have been uh, Fuller who intercepted. I, I did too. I just saw the two and and the first number, so I I thought he was the one that got it. Right. But overall, I mean, not a terrible performance. Um, I would have liked to see him step it up. I I feel like, and you had mentioned it before the show. Right. I feel like that once Saquon got injured, then they kind of you know, let up on the gas a little bit. So, well, I think they might have just you know taken a step back and said, you know what, the rush is not coming. Let's let's force them to pass the ball. Right. So, what's our third down? First half, seventeen points. Second half is a shutout. Is that the the Bears not figuring it out, or is that Giants uh, it, adjustments at the half, or what's going on here? It, it looks like it's you know it's like the book, the tale of two cities. You know, the Bears are a tale of two halves. You know, they're going to be really good and then really bad, or they're going to be really bad and then really good. Right. And the consistency is what we need. If they do this against Atlanta, who is actually known for blowing leads, 
Yeah, I, I still don't. I still right. They lost today. They, w- w- they were up huge on the Cowboys, and the Cowboys came back and won that game. Right, but at the same time, Atlanta has way more talent on the offensive side right. than the last two teams we've seen. Correct. So I don't think that if they play like this or like they played in the last game, that we're going to come out with a W. I think that's going to be a big L. I think they're going to get blown out if they keep playing the way they're playing and not being consistent throughout the, the entire game. So so what you're telling me is that you don't think that if the Bears go behind early in the in the first half that Mitch can't lead them from behind no, like he did no, in the first game? No, I do not have the confidence in Mitch in that. <laughs> no. So right now we're looking at first quarter 10 points, second quarter 7 points. Now, in the first quarter, they definitely should have had more than 10, than 10 points. Right. They definitely should have had at least 14 because they, they, they were right there, and they, right. they did the, not was, get that touchdown. Mitch, Mitch threw a good pass in, in the end zone, and who who dropped it? I'm not sure. It was one of the newer wide receivers that dropped it. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. No, Mooney? No. Are you thinking about, thinking about Mooney? I, it was somebody. You know what? It was right on his hand. It hit his hands. He should have caught it. So I no 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 it was Miller man was it Miller it was Miller it was Miller because when I go back and look at the numbers it was definitely Miller because when I look back I says oh I'm thinking about the first I'm thinking about the first game Miller had a good game and the mm-hmm. second game Miller did not get a reception whatsoever no yeah there was a whole bunch of eggs I'm I'm glad I'm I'm getting ready to go keto next week so I saw the, all those eggs and I got real excited I mean you know put I can put some eggs out there and get paid <laughs> but no it was definitely Miller now now that we're jogging our memory kind okay. of working through it because there's so much when you, when you get a game like this where it's kind of like you said the tale of two halves there's so much stuff to sit there and try to dissect but it was definitely Miller now that I think about it and I look at all those zeros that but he put up again I mean you can't blame everything on Mitch now if he's no. putting it in your hands and you're dropping it, you're an NFL wide receiver. Yes. If it's in your hands, you, you you better catch it. And that's a catch that he actually made last week in week one. Right. I, I, he did make that catch last uh, last week in week one. So, I mean, that that's a big problem. One shining star. Uh-oh. Shining star. Yes. Shining star who you are. Okay. We did see uh, Mooney. Yes. He looked good. Mooney looks good. The rookie looks good. The rookie did look good. Thank, thank goodness I drafted him on my fantasy team. <laughs> All right. So, that's our three downs. Let's... Give a big punt, and let's shoot it over to our Bears analyst, Ill Brown. What up, Ill? What's the uh, word? What's the word? Two and know the ugly way. That's right. That's right. All right, give us a lowdown with your good, your bad, and your ugly. Okay, so we got for my good, 8 of 13 on third down. A major step in the right direction for week one. Yes. Those teams who convert on third down typically come out with the wins. Was very uh, pleased with the play calling. Very pleased with the uh, situational football we were in on third down. So uh, it was easier to game plan this, instead of being in third and long constantly. So that's definitely a good sign going forward. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like the play calling in this game was much better, much more clean. You had a really good run-pass ratio, and you could see when, again, once Mitch is allowed to use some instinct and kind of roll out a little bit, I mean, you know, he, he he's – chucking those passes down and i mean like i think was it it was a throw to to robinson where we're like oh my god we jumped up off the sofa real quick in the beginning of the game we were like all right we feel good about this now all right what's your bad a robin miller butterfingers this week what's going on man (laughs) i mean they get don't they get that stick them to put on the uh on the gloves there they're allowed to those those gloves are sticky man those gloves are ridiculous man so uh no no inclement weather so miller dropped the touchdown Yes. I mean, yeah. directly in his hands. It was actually a third down that they should have converted. Right, because they had to kick the field goal after that, right. And Miller runs a, uh, like a 10-yard out, and Mitch puts it right on his numbers. He, which which doesn't happen all that often. you got to take advantage when you actually get that. Well, Mitch was accurate today. 
Yes, he, he was much better. The interceptions. Yeah. I don't know if A-Rob is not finishing his routes all the way out because he wants that contract extension. Well, that's not going to help him. That interception that was tipped up in the air, that's on A-Rob. You're running the comeback. You can't allow the defensive back to beat you to your route. Mm-hmm. So now l- let me tell you, th- there's something that I noticed b- both in the first game and the second game is that where Mitch puts the ball each time when A-Rob, because early on you see A-Rob when he made that nice catch, he has to do these crazy acrobatic moves to actually catch the ball. Yeah, he's throwing at True. what the receiver is and where mm-hmm. he's going to be. Yeah, and he that's, doesn't, yeah, he and doesn't, that's why A-Rob has to reach back and try to make this acrobatic catch. And you know what? You know what's going to happen is that tr- eventually Trubisky is going to get A-Rob killed. Yeah. He's going to get him nailed and he's going to have a uh, uh, ankle or a knee or something like that. So when you look at a guy who's actually able to catch those crazy passes that Trubisky is 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 throwing his way, that makes him more valuable than any other player in what the NFC North. You guys got to run the take back. A lot of the times, Mitch is throwing to a spot. That's Nagy's offense in a nutshell. He's throwing to a spot. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what he's supposed to be doing. But I, I distinctly remember... The specific throw. The first, where, yeah, the first throw to A-Rob where right. he, he had and to he, jump he, up between the yeah, two and defenders. There's, there's two defenders up in the air, and A-Rob has to reach all the way back and get it from behind him. I remember that play. So that's a situation where A-Rob sits down in the zone. It's a hell of a throw. It's a hell of a catch. Yes. Really, you're supposed to take the check down right there. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. The great quarterbacks are going to take the check down right there. They're going to look there and take the check down. Every yeah, time. and I saw, I saw Mitch missing that check down on, on, on a lot of plays where – He's over trying to force it to two and three different uh, offensive players that are, you know, covered. And then on his left side, his blind side, he's got a running back on the flat wide open. And that's his that's his safety valve. That's where you're supposed to hit. If no one's open, hit him. He can't get to that third read. Correct. When he was really a one side of the field quarterback, now he's getting to the second read now. Yes, absolutely. But he's not getting to the check now, man. So. No, that's, but, that's that's my that's my bad. With, uh, but at least he, at least he had time to throw. I felt like he had much more time to throw. Yeah, today. absolutely. And no, the offensive he, line is killer. Right, and when he was able to go through his progressions, he did he did look pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he had a, for the most part he was sacked four times still, but he had yeah. a clean pocket. Other otherwise, uh, I still like to see some better play calling, man. But uh, you know, we could ramble about that all day, man. And and even when he did have to rush, he had four rushes and he ended up getting 16 yards. So I mean, it wasn't all bad. All right, so what's your ugly? That whole entire <laughs> win today was ugly, man. <laughs> winning ugly, baby. Just winning ugly, man. Like you know, 17 points ain't gonna cut it against the good teams. Let's let's be real about it. The Lions, mediocre opponent. Giants. Yeah bottom-of-the-barrel opponent. Yes, yes. There were some key drops where I feel like the score would have just been a blowout. Way right. out. Of- I, I, I definitely feel like they could have ran up the score on the Giants, and they didn't take advantage, especially with Saquon going down. I mean, there's a couple of times Mitch had six, seven seconds in the pocket. Yes. Yeah, you know, guys, guys got to get open, and, and, and when he puts it on your numbers, man, you, you got to bring those in. And, and I want to say that touchdown to Mooney, I mean, like, it wasn't the prettiest ball thrown, but he did have so much time to throw that ball, and that's what he needs. Yeah, like yeah absolutely. I was definitely impressed by, by Mooney this week. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Darnell Mooney is, is a stud, man. You get a cat like that in the sixth round, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a steal. He, he, he's, he's exactly what the Bears offense need. With better quarterback play, you you will really see that guy taking the top off of a defense. Yeah, he, he absolutely could be a stud. Yeah, absolutely. So are you saying that Foles would do a better job at uh-oh, this? Uh-oh, uh-oh. I am. Ooh. I've been telling you. I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying I was I wanted Nick Foles to win the job coming out of King. 
Right. But you're not gonna you're not gonna bench your number two pick. That that wasn't gonna happen. We we all know that was not gonna happen. There was no shadow of that actually happening. Absolutely not. But Nick Foles probably puts thirty one points up today. Wow. Yeah. So what was your overall impression of the Bears' performance and what grade would you give them as a team? For me, the Bears get a C plus, man. A win is a win, but I'm I'm not excited about this win, man. You get a C plus because you got the W. But you left so many points on the table that should yes. have been on the uh, yes. you know on the board. Yeah. Can't give props for uh mediocre uh football that we saw off the other day, man. Like uh I mean the defense did what they were supposed to do to, you know, preserve a blowout, but they ended up just being on the field way too much in the second half. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yes. You know, the, the defense had four sacks in the interception. You post a you post a win by at least, you know, two scores in in, in a game like that. So what were the uh what would you, what would you say are the biggest positives to take away from today? Uh pass rush. You got to see a taste yes. of uh and uh Robert Quinn was on the pitch count, of course. Yes. yes. Finally. You got to see, you know, what it's like. Week six, I'd be scared to play quarterback with Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Khalil Mack breathing down my neck for four quarters. Those well, guys are rusty. Today. What game is week six? <laughs> I'm just saying, whoever in week six, be, when them guys really get into their groove, man, like, I still feel like, you know, you're seeing a lot of rustiness that comes with preseason football right now, week, league-wide. Well, week six would be the, the Panthers and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Them dudes yeah. are gonna have their ears pinned back, man, and they're gonna be coming after that dude, man. Like today, I, I would say my best thing for today, man, is we didn't have any injuries. Oh, that was a blessing. I'll yes. take that. De- depending on, I mean, like, do, do we have confirmation of what's going on with Montgomery? Did he? I, Montgomery came, came back and played, but yeah, he, we, he balled out the second half. He's fine. We, we got to watch out with that neck because that's well, hopefully what, he doesn't stiffen up. Right. Correct. Correct. That's the biggest thing. So, what would you say? What would you say the Bears need to clean up going into next week? Man, wide receivers catch the ball. Please. Let's get the, let's get the tight ends more involved. Thank you. you yes, you I gotta, agree. Got got the middle of the field is, is open. Got to get the tight ends more involved. Defense is going to – that those guys are proud. That's a proud unit. It's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Those guys are going to raise their play as the competition level is raised. So I'm not worried about the defense. I think the defense played well. It's just in the second half, they were out there way too long. They got gassed because they kept having to be the ones out there. They, right. You know, the Bears weren't taking advantage of the spots they were in, and they, 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 had, they had to turn over the ball and then let the defense take care of it. All right. So once again, we – Still here, the offense. Yeah, it's it's you know that, it's that's, been the story of the last two three years. That's the, the story. That's the story. Of the last what twenty seven years. Oh, so I mean, yeah. we're, if we're being honest, that's what you happens know. when you get a you get a coach that will take your offense to the next level, but you don't let him draft his quarterback. Right. Yeah. You got to give Nagy a shot at getting his own guy. All right. So ew, what's our what's our prediction for next week against the Falcons? What what does that game look like to you? Uh, we're at home uh, against Atlanta, correct? Oh no, we're no, we're we're, no, we're in Atlanta next we're week. We're in Atlanta. Oh, we get to be on the fast track. 27-24 Bears. 27-24 yeah, Bears. Right. Okay. That's going to be a tight game because like I said, Atlanta does put up a lot of points, but they did get uh they they give away a lot of points. They did. And this is they're they're notorious for giving up that lead. Remember that Super Bowl thing that happened? <laughs> oh, they they notorious choke artists, man. So, I look at what what they allowed the Cowboys to do today. Yes. And um, last time we saw the Cowboys, it was a beating. 
Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The beating that soldier field. That's right. Our defense ain't their defense, man. And they got some names, but our, our guys are a little bit different. And we got one of their names because we took Robert Quinn away from the Cowboys. Yeah, that's right. We got Robert Quinn. So <laughs> got one of the bright spots off of their defense. So I expect Matt Ryan to be in for a long day, especially so, on that on that fast track with that turf. Yep. One last question. Uh, and I'm thinking about it just on the fly is that our kicking, is that going to be an issue? It's kick- always an issue, man. Until <laughs> we go out and get a real kicker, man, like, Pinheiro was good last year, but he's injured right now. That's a problem. How do you stay injured as a kicker, man? That is that <laughs> well, is so I, I, Chicago Bears of him. I mean, I mean, it. it I, I won't lie, it is, but it is a hell of. You got to think about that. You're putting a lot of pressure and a lot of torque on your body when you are kicking. So I mean, you know what? You you know how you have another team that plays at Soldier Field called the Chicago Fire. They got a bunch of kickers. <laughs> Give those guys six weeks. Give Pin- those guys six hey, weeks to learn how to kick. Listen, Pinier, you know where Pinera learned how to kick? No, I don't. Playing soccer. Playing soccer. Playing soccer. That's where he came from. Okay. But now, if you have a guy like Cairo Santos, now, to be fair, within the past, like, three, four years, or about three years or so, I'd say once they, once they started kind of shifting things around on the kicker, the kicking in the NFL has been absolutely atrocious. It has. Oh, it has been, been terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, like, before, and they did that on purpose because before you would just sit there and be like, yeah, that's a gimme. That's a gimme. Extra points, that's exactly right. Extra points were a gimme. You know, uh, field goals within 30 yards were a gimme. And now we're look, like, oh, my God, we're looking at all the work that was done being flushed down the toilet by one guy, one skinny little guy with a fat leg that we're hoping can kick it. I don't know. I don't know what they need to do. Maybe they need to take off their shoes like before <laughs> in the old days. Man, they'll spend some money on a kicker, man. Baltimore's not having that problem. And no, just, Justin, you know what? But Justin Tuck likes to uh, do opera, so maybe we need to have a training camp for uh, for kickers to do some opera, get some, get their lungs expanded, and maybe maybe it'll help their, their foot or something. I don't know, man. But this is that, – that was her – because here's the thing. They make that kick. We're not worried about that last drive, at least for you know, for them to get caught up. They have to. They could do is tie. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. and that makes a big difference. But of course, you know they got to get our blood pressure up, man. Like, nah, let's make sure he misses the kick. Yeah. I mean, Cairo Santos is a he was a bum in Kansas City, man. So I I go get the guy you see on YouTube. What's his name? Destroying or something like that. Go go get him a trial, man. Why not? Why not? What do we got to lose? I mean, that dude could hit a 70-yard field goal, man. Like. At least he's going to kick the ball far enough. Mr. Brown, we're, we're going to expect you to drop a line so next week we, we hear your response. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's your assignment for this week is go find us another kicker off of YouTube. <laughs> All right, that, that, that's, that's what I'm on, man. I'm going to find some guys. I'm going to have some names for you all too, man. All right. Excellent. Thank you for your analysis. Thank you for coming in on the show. Always a pleasure. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, and we'll uh, talk about that Atlanta win. And uh, you'll break Hopefully. down our game for you. No, we're going to get that win. We're going to yeah, get that win. I'm, I like I'm, it. I like it. Three no. Three no, baby. No, man. Gang's here. Bear down. Bear yeah, down, baby. That's what's up. down. We out here. <laughs> All right. That was some great insight by our Bears contributor, Il Brown. We will be right back with more TCSF podcasts after a word from our sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We have a special guest today. It is Jose Shorty Torres. He is an MMA fighter. He's Chicago native. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we like to appreciate our Chicago's athletes. So we want to spotlight him today. So I want to just give out a couple of things that you may not know about him. 
He is a two-time junior college MVP and a college All-American, college athlete of the year in 2012, multiple-time wrestling tournament placer and champion, over 100 wins at the collegiate level, wow. two-time Pan American gold medal. I mean, this guy has you know a good list of stuff. I see that. I see he's, that. he's legit. Uh, two-time Pan American gold medalist and a 91 professional MMA record. Oh, and there's so much more in between that. It's ridiculous. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, not, not legit. That is a legit resume. Yeah, that's that is you, that's you a guys, long list. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie to you. You you highlighted the smallest accolades in my career, and <laughs> I appreciate it. The the reason why I say that, the reason why I say it is because after all that, yeah, I ended up being a two-time world champion as an amateur, got signed to Titan FC immediately instead of fighting locally, was able to be a two-weight class champion for them and defended the belt three times total. What Conor McGregor did at 14-2 before he signed to the UFC, mm-hmm. I did at 5-0 and and defended a belt in the process. He's never defended a belt. Uh, eventually went to the UFC. Sadly, the flyweights all got the boot. Yeah, they got crushed. And crushed. Now I'm in Brave. Oh, wow. And, you know, man, it's, it's, it's a crazy experience because, you know, you're a shorty from the neighborhood, a shorty from Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, just a shorty trying to come up, do big things, fighting to save my life. And, and for me, just like other Chicago natives, you have, you know, Adrian Ganados, uh, uh, David Diaz from back in the day. You have, you know, Jose Chipamarisco and all these guys trying to come up and do our thing. This is our way out of the neighborhood. And it's, it's been a journey to, to say the less. What neighborhood did you grow up in? So I grew up in the McKinley, uh, McKinley Park neighborhood and then eventually awesome. moved over okay. to Cicero. So I've been in Cicero pretty much all my life ever since uh, I think I was 10 years old. And, man, you know, Chicago born and raised. And Cicero's right next door. You literally hop the line. You're like, oh. Right. You know, yeah, so. it's, we consider that still Chicago. That's, a, you know. That's, that, hey, that's how Chicago grew in the first place, just absorbing the little areas and towns that were around it and just bring them in. Right. Yeah, man, we just. We just do a whole different thing where we don't have to pay as much taxes as Chicago. <laughs> right. That's right. Just hop over the line and pay less taxes. Uh, so I want to start off with uh, how you've been affected with the pandemic. Everything's about the pandemic with the COVID-19. How you've been affected as far as your training, uh, your fight outlook? Uh, did you have any canceled fights? What, what, what's going on? How did it affect you? Man, you know, definitely it affected work when it comes to fights. You know, I was supposed to fight March 28th in Brazil eight days before my fight, and I'm cutting weight, you know. I, they, my, they like to call me the angry chihuahua when I get close to cutting weight. <laughs> you know, you start to get moody and all that stuff. I can't eat, I can't drink, I can't do anything. I live at home my mom who wants to be a mother and take care yeah. of me. She's like, I made you some put in that salad. You think about eating all your sis? I'm like, damn it, mom. The only person I want to fight right now is you, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things that it did become a struggle because I was supposed to fight. Brazil completely shut down. Then my promotion, just like every other promotion, like, you know what, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next mm-hmm. month. And it just kind of yeah. kept on going. And literally, no, I'm in September. I was scheduled to fight possibly August, but then the Middle East still didn't open up to certain countries. Again, the U.S., even though Brave has been, my promotion has been running events in Europe, and they want me to commentate for them as well. They're like, oh, you know, even if you're not fighting, you can commentate for us. Well, That's great. I'm an American. I can't, I can't go to Europe because there's travel bans. So it's like... Yeah. I'm still limited. So when it comes to work, it sucks. When it comes to training, though, I've I've made my circle a lot smaller, and I work with a coach uh, by the name of Dean Thomas, who's a UFC veteran, been around for years. Who's working with Tyron Woodley, who fights uh, against yeah. Kobe Covington coming up very very soon. Nice. So you know, it's it's one of those things that like I've been able to travel. I just got back from St. Louis yesterday. I've been able to travel, train, and you know, it's become a, a small circle, but a small family in a good positive way. Instead of you know, spreading myself out too thin. So when it comes to the work of, of practicing and training, man, I've, I've never felt like this before. I finally had that one-on-one attention that I've been craving. But I can tell you this from the mental aspect, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you guys have suffered from it, 
you know, and, and everybody else, it's, it's mentally draining. You know, you go outside even today, you're just like, oh, wait, I got to wear a mask. Wait, where yeah. is everybody? Yeah. yeah. And it's been, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, I'll say you're the, you're the third uh, person who is a, who participates in a combat sport that we've interviewed and we talked to Isaias Velasquez and he's a wrestler and he talked about the struggle because he hasn't, he had, at the time he was, I think our first or, or one of our second interviews yeah, way second back interview. when. Yeah. And he, he had the struggle of not being able to train at all. The right. one good thing he said about it, it was, he was actually able to heal, you know, from, from wrestling because they kind of, they have to jump up and like land on each other and yeah. pretend it didn't hurt, you know, and that, that's the thing. And then uh, when we talked to, to uh, Jessica McCaskill, she was talking about, you know, it really didn't affect her because of the way that their training and their, and their gym was set up. So it's, it has been very interesting to, to learn how different combat sport uh, participants have had to deal with the, the pandemic. Right. It, it's it, what's been crazy. Cause you know, I was, I was at the time training an American top team when this first all started American top team is like a high school. There's hundreds of like high level professional athletes, multiple champions there, but there's only so many coaches. But then when you have, the pandemic hitting some people were forced to go back home some people couldn't go back to the country some people had to you know uh, uh pay again with their visas some people weren't even allowed back in the gym because you know florida being uh sports being an essential thing down there the gyms were able to open up but only for a certain number of people so it's like you have a hundred really high level pro athletes now you got to be a little political and pick and choose and that was the hardest part you know it's like i lived at the gym and sometimes they're like yeah you can't come downstairs it's like uh, what dude I'm, I'm literally right upstairs compared to some people who have to drive a half an hour to the gym and help them. right and the, and they're more exposed to people as uh they're more exposed to people outside so where they can contract the COVID 19 where you were living upstairs you're like i don't talk to anybody but anybody at the gym so i know i'm safe it's like i'm i do i'm a loser i'm upstairs I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a crazy time but now you know i i live with my my coach dean thomas and him and I are working on a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff. You know, as an athlete, I'm 28 now. I'm barely entering my prime. It's one of those things that, like, I've trained at so many high-level gyms. I spar with some of the greatest fighters in the world. And I know I can hold my own, but it's one of those things that toughness can only get you so far in your life. And I've definitely learned that in my career and my one loss. Toughness can only get you so far in your life because you step in the cage. doesn't mean you're going to be there. One, you 100% have to mentally be there. I mean, that's why Mike Tyson back in the day, even being the smaller athlete, was so powerful because the motto pretty much hypnotized the guy to be a champion before he was even a champion. That mindset mm -hmm. was ridiculous. And then two is, you know, being able to just have that small circle, have someone really tell you what to do compared to, you know, oh, you're you're the best all the time. It's yeah, you, you want someone that's actually going to be critical of you and actually tell you the truth, what you're doing good, what you're doing bad, and, and give you, you know, true – uh, motivation and, and, and tell you what you need to fix. So, you know, on that topic, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the sport and what was your motivation behind it? Man, my my father was a goon. You know, he was just that guy who always <laughs> wanted to fight. I was there, and that's not even a joke. My dad was on weed, steroids, cocaine when I was born. You know, I was raised wow. in a trap house. My Whoa. dad, you know, was raised in the north side and gangs and all that stuff. And it's just, that's just what he did. That was the upbringing. My father didn't have a father. My grandmother wasn't the best role model. And you know, so that was his way out of the neighborhood. So by the time he had me, you know, I was, you know, Shorty Jr. You know, I do have my older brother, but my my older brother just slowly started to follow his path. So he didn't really get the, the right opportunities. You know, sadly, it was like the the first child's like the test child. Like, damn, yeah, yeah. kind of messed <laughs> yeah. up on that one. We shouldn't do the same thing to the next kid, which, you know, <laughs> sucks to say, but that's what it was. You know, yeah. so my dad being such an aggressive person always made me fight. And then 
naturally, it's funny, a lot of people don't know one of the reasons why I started was to beat my, my dad up. I was like, man, I don't like how he treats my mom, my brother, myself. Or we're all mm, got it. Yeah. He was either fighting with us because we were in his way or he wanted to teach us how to fight. You know, So either way, we were getting whooped. So I was like, man, I need to learn how to defend myself. And, and all my, being a 90s baby, all the cartoons back then, they were about fighting. Teenagers, yeah, mm-hmm. Turbos, yeah. Yeah, all the games too. Dragon Ball Z, all this stuff. So it's like, all my role models were fighters. Jackie Chan's yeah. movies were starting to get really popular in the States. Bruce Lee, you know, circling around. Jet Li getting huge. So it was like, I want to learn how to fight. And I ended up being really good at it. And every time I came home, I was training a more, more with my father and just kind of kept on going and going and going. And little I know, by the time I, I got to college and started to do all these things, it's, it's kind of like what Mike Tyson said about Custy Amato. He's like, I, I never thought I was going to be a champion. Well, all I was doing was just listening to my coach. Little I know, by the time I listened to my coach, by the time I was, you know, ready to go professionally, he goes, I had a trunk full of, of belts, you know, a car full of belts. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know it was the same thing with me. I had 10 amateur championships as, uh, as you know, as amateur all around the world with multiple gold medals from different places and colleges as well. So it was just like, oh, um, no, nah, man, I was just listening to my coach. I didn't even know this was still there. You know, it was kind of like, oh, I won a belt. Oh, cool. Listen, oh, cool. I won a belt. So for me, it's, it's I'm just pushing forward and doing my thing. Right. So funny you mentioned all that, all that uh, fighters and Jackie Chan. And so that was where I'm going to go next. Who were your, uh, who influenced you for, for fighting? Like, it, was it, were you have boxing uh, influences? Did you have more MMA influences? Or was it just my dad? Or just I, wanting to fight in general? Yeah, I wanted to fight your dad in general and, you know, be a survivor. That was definitely part of it. But, you know, for me, um, oh, man, my dad always made us, and especially for me, he always made me watch fights. You know, whether it was like HBO After Dark or fights on ESPN or just Comcast Network, just literally, if, if we saw two Mexicans on TV, because that was usually the local shows. Then we oh, like 44, yeah. <laughs> yeah, watching two Latinos just, just go at it and just scrap. And so my dad literally would stop everything I was doing and made me watch it. And even though as a kid, you're just like, oh, I don't want to watch it. We would watch it, and then in between for a minute, we would just fight. And out of nowhere, I'd watch it again. In between for a minute, we would fight, and that's how he made it fun. So for me, I always enjoyed boxing more. And my favorite fighter was Manny Pacquiao. I wow. mean, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you even look at, at my career and how my upbringing is, given I'm not nowhere near growing up in the slums like he did, but the way he did the hustle up to come all the way, all the accolades he achieved, all the different weight classes, all the belts, I've been trying my best to slowly imitate that. And even I started my own foundation in Chicago because of him starting his foundation. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he's created that blueprint for me, and I'm taking just his blueprint, but going through my own little path and struggles. But it's, it's nice to have someone who's gone through something way worse and be like, man, that shorty made it. Why can't this shorty make it? So for me, it was it was that, and then, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Power Rangers. Hell, <laughs> if, if you watch if you watch Power Rangers, the hell, I'm wearing Goku pajamas right now. So oh. you know, if if you watch, if people know anything about Power Rangers back in the '90s, Tommy Oliver was like that legendary ranger. He right. ended up being one of my sponsors later on in life when it came That's to fighting. That's awesome. You know, so it's like. And a mentor, like, I can, it's funny, he sends me uh, uh, voice memos as messages instead of, like, text messages. Yeah. And, you know, it's just some some characters in life have just that iconic voice, you know, and he was one of those guys anytime. Dude, he could be talking about food. For some reason, it just sounds so epic to me. I was like, oh, this is so dope. Like, he's eating a burger, you know, so. You know, I was like, I don't know why I want a Whopper now, you know, so it's just one of those things that, um, you know, these people have been real life heroes even though they haven't been you know power rangers isn't real dragon ball z isn't real 
for me, it was real. And even still today, you know, people follow my Instagram. I post pictures of Goku, Gohan, all these different characters because that's how I feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? why don't you tell us about, like, your first organized fight and what that experience was like? I, I like how we have to say organized fight. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 ha- I have done, you know, like, underground fights, whether they've been just regular me getting this altercation or we used to call them beatdown parties. Oh, yep. wow. <laughs> We're going to have a party and then go downstairs. It was kind of like Fight Club, but we all talked about Fight yeah. Club. You know, um, it was just like, hey, you want to go against him? You're about the same size. Get some boxing gloves, three, three-minute rounds, and go. And just I would make a lot of money doing it. Wow. Um, but for me, man, my first organized fight, it was at the gym. And uh, we would do something called Combat Doe Challenges. My gym called Combat Doe. we do these challenges, whether it was people from inside the gym fighting each other or just, you know, gyms versus gyms. And there's a kid who uh, was, I think, a year or two younger than me, but at least 30 pounds heavier than me. And I remember just going after him and, and, and doing it. And I, it's funny. When I watch that film today, I was like, man, I sucked. You know, just <laughs> watching, watching how I fight, it just anything. It, it just looks like a little kid street fight. Like right. it's something mm-hmm. you see on World Star. And then even tournaments after. You know, I mean, I fought some really, really high-level guys and pushed and never gave up. But it was just like, wow, I had no technique whatsoever. So I always find it really, really intriguing. I think that was when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done okay. karate and tournaments like that, but point fighting is a whole different thing than an actual fighting fighting where you can just keep on right. running over after stopping. But the adrenaline is so different. But, man, I can tell you just looking back at it, it's like, it really humbles you because I, I have a lot of kids who come up to me, whether they're from the gym or different gyms, or whatever, that look up to me. And they're like, man, you know, I just don't have the skill you have. I'm like, you know, we all start somewhere, right? Yeah, like, right. yeah, some people are better than others. But if I were to put up that film, like, it would really humble a lot of people and go, damn, this is this is how you really fought? I mean, and, and that's a normal thing. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You, you want a prime example, go back and listen to one of our early shows and you'll know the big, big difference. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so um, let's talk about your upcoming fight. How did this come about? Two fighters signed a contract, which reminded me I, I have to sign my contract. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing where, you know, when you have a pandemic, there's so many different rules now. Like, I have to get tested for COVID a few days yeah. before I fly. I have to get tested for COVID right when I land. Um, you know, we can't do certain things like we usually do. We can't go out in public as much as we usually do. So it is it is very, very organized now. Obviously, I think to a better extent because it's for the health and safety of everyone. But it's just a crazy time for me. I, I was supposed to fight March 28th. The fight didn't happen. Uh, opponent had to be changed. And then they ended up creating this flyweight tournament, which has guys um, ranked top 30 in the world in this tournament there's only eight of us and all of them at different rankings i believe we said off air i was i was 21 which i didn't know so yay but um i know there was a guy when he got released from the oc dustin ortiz he was number three in the world you know wow. so it's one of those things that like i'm facing some high level guys and it's a tournament so i'm gonna fight sean santella uh september 24th in the kingdom of bahrain in the mm-hmm. middle east if people don't know where it's at and if i win everything you know obviously goes well then I'll be fighting possibly the winner between Dustin Ortiz, number three guy, or our opponent I was supposed to fight last year, Marcelo Dur. So it's a tough battle. Both of them are very, very different. Like right now I'm yeah. fighting a more jujitsu-based guy. These two fighters next are a kickboxer and a wrestler. You know, it's like and if I beat those guys, then I got to face whoever wins on the other side of the bracket. Then you got this, you know, crazy Dagestani guy who is just going to maul you like Khabib. You have Zach Mikowski, who's a UFC veteran. You have 
amateur world champions and, and just so many more. So it's one of those things, man, that if I'm not on my toes for this tournament, if I'm not 100% mentally there, it's, it's, it's going to be a long, long tournament. Yes. Speaking of uh, Sean, when fighting uh, an opponent just like Sean, who's more experienced, what is the approach that you take? Um, I have fun. That's, that's what I do. Cause it's the, the reason why I say it is because I've never liked fighting people who have something below me. Like I don't okay. like being the, uh, the quote unquote favorite, even though I think I am the favorite for the fight when it comes to fighting someone more experienced, I know they have something above me. It's something I have to work towards to really prove to myself that I don't care what your number is. I don't care how tall you are, how hard you hit, how good you are at whatever thing I'm going to beat you at that certain thing. So for him, having almost, I believe, 30-plus fights as an MMA fighter, right. it's, it's an amazing attribute to be like, I'm only 9-1, and one and you're about really close to 10 years, I think he's 8 years older than me. Maybe I'm going to be around your level one of these days, but right now I'm at your level at this point. You know, I might not have the record, but when I get to that possible record, it's going to be that much better, hopefully. So it's it's a good challenge accepted. So mentally I, I go in there having a lot of fun and just being on my toes a lot more than – as relaxed as possibly people say so, it should be. So do you kind of feel like you lean into uh, like the underground or the underdog role? Um, you know, I, I like the underdog role. You know, again, I always say I'm a shorty from the neighborhood. You know, it's, it's a shorty yeah. coming up. You know, it's it's shorty from, you know, Tupac, shorty want to be a thug. You know, it's like this little 16-year-old's <laughs> coming up doing his thing. For me, I've always idolized that. To show it, because I've, I've never, like, I wrote, a, I wrote a letter to myself when I was in eighth grade in my yearbook. And the way I wrote, spelled, spoke, and how everything came out, you can tell I never expected myself to end up where I'm at today. I never expected myself now to even end up where I am today, you know, doing interviews, mm -hmm. doing commercials, this, that. It's just like, huh, I look at that. I'm much farther in life, so I might as yeah. well keep on going. So it's it's been a journey, man, but I, I like being the underdog. It's it's a fun experience, and and it's easier to climb the mountain than to stay on top. Five years from now, what are people going to say about uh, Jose Shorty Torres? Well, five years from now, I'm hoping I'm still around. Hopefully COVID is down. And, yeah. you know, for me, man, I, I when it comes to fighting, I don't want to be remembered as, as not just like the tough fighter. He's done this. I want to be as a person that's helped a lot of people, whether it's inspiring them, motivating them, or, or trying to get them to do more. I'm not, I've never been a selfish person. You know, I have my own foundation for a reason. I've always tried to help people for a reason because I've seen a lot of potential in people especially in our neighborhood we just don't have the opportunity you know mm -hmm. for me i'm one of those people that show that like we do have the opportunity we just don't take advantage of it yeah. all we do take advantage of is, is free stuff and that hey free stuff isn't bad there's nothing wrong with that but you got to get up and do some work too and for me i finally got up and decided to do some hard work and look where i'm at today you know so i always tell people i want to i want to be able to show that whether it's my resume whatever whatever the case may be that if you try, you're going to be a lot farther in life than just talking about it. Totally agree with you. Uh, our last question, how long do you uh, continue, uh, want to continue fighting, and what's in store uh, in the aftermath of your career? Um, honestly, I want to I wanna quit every single day. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy, no, man, and that's a truthful statement. You know, this stuff, this stuff takes a big toll mentally. You know, I, I've lost relationships. I lost time with my, my family. My father passed away last year. I could have spent way more time with him. You know, it, it's, it's crazy how much sacrifice comes into trying to achieve your goals, whether it's fighting, whether it's another goal I want to do later on in life. 
for me, my ultimate goal is to help people. So I want to do more of my foundation. I want to start looking for grants for that. I want to start paying people full time. I want to eventually own my own gym, especially after COVID's over and okay. be able to help kids in my neighborhood through my foundation as well. So I want to be a coach. I want to be like a Freddie Roach. I want to be like a Trevor Whitman, a Dean Thomas, all these guys that have helped me come up, you know? So it's one of those things that, um, you know, I've always felt like I've been a better coach than, than a fighter, but I need to go through this process to be able to understand every single circumstance. Right, understand, understand the experience. What different fighters go through in all these different sports and, and situations. So for me, I'm just enjoying the road while I still can, and I'm going to keep on fighting as long as my body allows it because I know once that's done, it's done. So yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to enjoy the journey as long as I have it in front of me. So before we let you go, why don't you tell us about your foundation? Yeah, man, it's the Team Shorty Foundation. Everything's sold on my website, teamshorty.com. 100% of the proceeds go to it pretty much to help keep kids, teens, and young adults inside the gym and off the streets. And I know awesome. COVID right now isn't helping the gyms. A lot of them are closed. A lot of them outside Cook County are limited to a, to a certain number. For me, man, I've either been paying gym memberships for kids to go. I've been able to help them get out of the state, go to different tournaments, help them go to retreats. Right now, I donated a good amount of money to Youth Crossroads to have these kids go out to Tennessee for a retreat, but they weren't able to go because of COVID. So I'm using that money to help them donate or get donated pretty much a bunch of sports gear, you know, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, stuff to get them back out in, in positive environments. I mean, sports teaches you a lot of things. And plus, it gets you in shape at the same time while having fun instead of, you know, being involved in gangs, drugs, violence, being in the house, being online, playing whatever on your laptop and your phone yeah. and your Xbox, PS4. So I'm trying to get kids as active as possible. And again, it's not just kids. It's also teenagers and adults. I mean, honestly, my foundation, if it weren't for – I look at my, my brother and father. They had – amazing skill potential easily way more athletically talented than i was they just never had the opportunity what if they had a proper mentor a father figure or just an environment that would have pushed them to do it they could have been so much farther in their life so for me i want to yeah. be able to do that for people yeah man uh that that sounds like a you know a really great way to give back to the community you know knowing what you've gone through to get to where you want to go and you know where you came from i mean it sounds like you're doing really great work so you know appreciate what you're doing uh, for the community keep doing you know? what you're doing the people that are, are are benefiting from this will be able to thank you in some form or way later on down the line and even if they don't as long as you see their progress as long as you see their happiness as long as you see that their their track in life has gone in a positive uh direction yeah that that's and that should be enough i mean for me as a teacher when i do that I don't need a thank you card. I don't need, you know, a gift bag. You just it, feel if, it. If I see that, that 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 student is doing well, it just makes me feel warm inside. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lie about it. It's, it's, it's a heartwarming thing, man. And it does, it's awesome and amazing to know that you can, even with the smallest little gesture, it can change someone's life. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, this has been uh, Jose Shorty Torres. Um, he's going to be fighting September 24 uh, against Sean Santella. Thanks so much, Shorty. I appreciate it, guys. And if people want to watch, Fight TV, F-I-T-E dot TV. Excellent. Awesome. We'll have this all over our social media to give you the information on his fight. All right, guys. All right. Thank all right, you. Take care. No problem. The True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z will return after a brief word from our sponsor. Welcome back, everyone, to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. It is time for the main event. This is Stirring the Pot. 
All right, brother. What we got? For, what we got this week? We got something good this week. Oh I've, boy! I've had some very in-depth discussions with people this week about this one. <laughs> you have, you have a, like a a cabinet of people to talk to, Absolutely. like the president. <laughs> Let me say, this is the one segment where I will sit there and I'll ask the people, the listeners, the fans, give me some topics to talk about. Okay, what you got? So this week we have a very controversial topic in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Ketchup. Yes or no? Hell no. Hell no. Okay. Tell me why. You don't put ketchup on your hot dog. I'm just saying, in ge- I'm not saying on a hot dog. I'm saying in general in life. No, I don't I don't need ketchup. I, I really oh, don't. you don't? No. Okay. Let me tell you something. Oh, boy. <laughs> last week. <laughs> oh, boy. Last week when we were sitting here talking about White Castle. Yeah. And you brought up that White Castle in the morning. Yeah. I don't need it. But you put it on your burgers. I did put it up. I don't you need took, it. You took your little White Castle, <laughs> your delicious, fresh, steamed buns, and you put ketchup on them little burgers. I and did. I, and I sat there in the background, and I silently judged you. <laughs> you silently judged me? Yeah, that's right. And I watched you drown your little burgers in ketchup. I did not drown them. You, I put like two or three drops. And that's enough. That's nah. enough to drown it. No, nah, that's not enough. <laughs> Ketchup, oh boy. ketchup is for children, bro. Oh boy, I'm calling you out. Yeah, you did. I'm calling you out. That's probably you, the only time you, I do it. You can't, you can't sit here and I tell can't, me. I can't. You, you no, can't, I can't sit here and tell me hell oh, no. no. And then I literally a week ago watched you eat ketchup on a little white delicious. Oh man, the, the, those little delicious, delectable, fresh turnips, <laughs> White Castle burgers. What's wrong with you, bro? Yeah, but you can't put it on a hot dog. That's my, that's my defense, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you what. Ketchup on eggs is disgusting. Oh, that's barf. that's awful. Barf. If you uh, and, and that was the argument. That was the argument that led to this question. Okay. If you put ketchup on eggs in my house mm-hmm. after I cooked you some beautiful, delicious, delicate eggs, I'm gonna kick you out of my house. Okay. You know what? I've seen people put it on rice too. That's disgusting, bro. What is what is it? ketchup? Is this sweet, sugary mess that like you put on food to get to trick kids into eating things? Yeah, that's pretty much that, it. That's what. That's the only thing. No adults should be eating ketchup. Mm-hmm. Even fr- like fries, if you if you get a properly uh, cooked French fry, all you need is a little bit of salt. It's crispy. A little bit of salt, maybe some pepper on it, just to give it a little spice. Just, yeah. a, but just, I mean, like that's the thing is like. Grown, grown people do not need ketchup. Grown man, that, that's a, yeah, grown man. You don't need ketchup, man. Stop it. No, you Stop don't. It. I, I don't. Like I said, I don't need ketchup. Like I did, put it on my white castles. I'm gonna own up to it. That's I'm gonna right. own up to I it. I called you out, bro. Yeah, it's okay. I'll own up to it. But anything else? No. So technically, we agree on this topic, which is not this is not very common. This, yeah, this doesn't I'm happen. I'm still much. calling you yeah, out. Yeah, no, it's all good. You called me out. You got me red-handed or red ketchup. <laughs> 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 hey, you, you want something you want something great to put on a burger put a little bit of a1 sauce yes that's fire yes. right there but ketchup throw it in the trash man I throw some wok on my damn burger <laughs> <laughs> that, that's but that's different it's not it's it's not that because I'm telling you the the my biggest problem with ketchup like I said it just overwhelms and it changes the flavor of whatever you're eating it because you taste the ketchup over anything yes it, it, it really just, does kill the flavor of the meat yeah. or it, I mean essentially you just taste bread and ketchup that's that's true. that's true. All right, all right, all right. So we'll, I don't know. I don't. Know what, I don't know what to call it. I don't know if we agree or disagree, but we'll let the listeners decide. All right, everybody. Um, that's all the time we have today. Our bear segment was brought to you by Noir Caesar. Visit noircaesar.com for more information. Um, go to noircaesar.com. Before uh, we close out, E, I wanted to extend my positive thoughts and prayers to Washington football coach Ron Chico Rivera. Um, I used to work for a company of his here in Chicago. 
And um, every time that I had an interaction, uh, it was very positive with him and his family. Um, I was over at his house uh, multiple times uh, to his golf outings. He's always been such a beautiful person, a beautiful gentleman to me. So, um, you know, the news of him being sick hits me very personally. And um, I'm sending my positive thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Um, so during the last week, not this week, well, last week's victory over the Eagles, he had to go in uh, into halftime and get an IV uh, treatment done because he was dehydrated, um, possibly from, you know, the treatment that he's taking and mm -hmm. the amount of stress he's doing and walking around. So, um he did that. He did that so he can keep coaching. Uh, his team responded with a great win. Um, so I just want to say, Ron, we're pulling for you. We love you, and uh, you got this. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about Chico. You think about eighty-five Bears. You think about him being on the coaching staff with Lovey, you know, and all that stuff. And you think about like how connected he is to the Bears. When he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, like I was definitely rooting for him because he exactly. also had Peanut exactly. on the team. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he always seemed like a real like genuine guy. So yeah. I mean, you know, when I mean, we don't wish you know, ill will on anybody, you know, we want everyone to, to be healthy and prosper and things like that. But I mean, I think it especially hits hard when it's, when it's someone that you admire, mm -hmm. you know, um, speaking of that, you know, I yeah. also want, I also want to give a shout out to Sylvie from the Waddle and Sylvie show on ESPN That's right. 1000. Sylvie Strong. You know, he's been uh, fighting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a mouthful, but uh, you know, he just recently had his last cancer treatment. And, you know, he's an inspiration to us. I, like I said, I, I have his flyer on his, on my wall here. Um, in the in the in the studio here, you know. So I just want to give a shout out to him and hope everything's doing well with him. And you know, let you know that we're all silly strong here at TCSF. All right, y'all. That's it for today. Thanks to our guest Shorty Torres for talking to us about his fight tonight. Check out brave.cf.com for more information. Thanks to our Bears analyst, Il Brown. Don't forget to check out his podcast, Beat the Block, which is available on all major platforms. Shout out to Ronesh, our producer, Jay Soto. Shout out to Mike Logic and Ideal from the All Net Podcast. Check them every other Monday, and especially now during the NBA playoffs. Check us out on social media. You can find us at True Shy Fans on Twitter. That's True CHI Fans. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and reach out to us on our email. We want to hear from you. Give us some good stirring the pot recommendations. Reach us at truechicagosportsfans at gmail.com. And until next time, be good to each other. For the love of sports. Yeah. I'm a man.